0: Coffee, Cows, and Crops is produced by the Peace Country Beef and Forage Association and hosted by Extension Coordinator Johanna Murray. On this podcast, we discuss management practices and research results with scientists, ranchers, researchers, and farmers. We strive to share innovative information and farming practices supported by sound science and practical wisdom. So grab a cup of coffee and let's get learning. joining us for today's episode of Coffee, Cows, and Crops. Today I'm talking to uh, Adam Norris and Rhonda Clark-Gauthier from the Mighty Peace Watershed Alliance um, about their livestock water crossing project. So before we get right into the project itself, um, can I get you guys to introduce the MPWA and what you do?
1: Okay, so the MPWA has been uh, around since uh, 2011, and we were established to uh, be a multi-stakeholder group that looks at water quality and quantity and things that we do on the landscape that affect water quality and quantity. Our goals are to look at policy, uh, look at projects, look at planning opportunities to help Uh, maintain water quality or improve water quality. So our watershed, it covers both the Slave River up north as well as the Peace River. So it covers about 30% of the province of Alberta geographically. So it's a very huge watershed with a lot of water that goes through it. Um, And so our work involves looking at source water protection planning, uh, riparian areas and and making sure that those work well, Uh, looking at wetland and wetland loss, looking at uh, non saline groundwater, Um, water quality and quantity and the availability to people and industry and the landscape. So just making sure that there is water there. Uh, We're run by a board of directors and Mm -hmm. that encompasses uh, 21 different seats that cover uh, multi-stakeholder groups so government industry uh, not-for-profit organizations and first nation and and metis settlements so it's a wide variety of individuals that with opinions who sit around the table Um, and so we because we work on consensus decision making we uh, Mm -hmm. tend to take a while to get to where we've got to go but we know that when we get there, it's a good option because everybody's had to come to some type of agreement to move forward. Right. That's awesome.
2: Yeah. And I guess, yeah, so I get to come in once the board and Rhonda have done the hard work of setting the direction generally that I'm tasked with implementing that in some way. And, and as mentioned, there's a lot of planning and policy, but we also like to see that go out in the form of demonstration sites or projects to evaluate the effectiveness of management practices, right? It doesn't make any sense just to have policies that can't be implemented. So a lot of the project work we do is to really proof of concept or work with partners to help um, spread those type of management practices we want to see out there to improve that water quality and water quantity across the watershed. Um, And so, for instance, today I believe we're going to be talking mostly about the improved livestock crossing project. This one um, obviously deals with a lot of water quality issues but also, and people don't realize this, a lot of water quantity issues because it's really about flood and drought resiliency and because we're doing um, things with crossings that do that, we were able to access funding through the Watershed Restoration and Resiliency Program um, for this type of work.
0: Yeah, well clean water is so important and I'm really interested to hear more about the livestock water crossings because um we talk a lot about how valuable clean water is to the livestock production just because you can measure that in in pounds of gain on your on your yearlings and on your calves uh so i'm interested to hear more about about this project
2: for sure and i mean the other thing too we find um you know there's sort of the two points there's the producer's land where you're working with them Mm -hmm. they have direct benefits as you mentioned with livestock it's very easy to measure uh cropping is a bit more tricky but it can be done um but there's also the ease of access uh some of these guys have you know they've gone from having to drive their livestock you know almost two miles around to you know just 100 meters over the the creek now because there's a proper crossing in place right or the hassle of not having to pull livestock that are stuck in mud at the bottom of a gully trying to get them out right like nobody wants to do that so that's been good but um and from us um so you know we try to make sure there's the benefit to the producer but also to the broader watershed so it's great that this crossing helps the producer but really we're very interested in what does it do for water quality and quantity over the whole watershed and that's mm-hmm. when we get to have the chance to look downstream can we do something that reduces the risk of flooding or drought for the next guy the next gal the next producer the next town whoever
1: downstream
2: that's mm-hmm. going to be using that water so
1: yeah. And that's why it's so important with most of our projects uh, to have a multitude of partners working together to do the work and that's just so key in what we're doing because we know that what one person does continues to do a ripple effect And it so if we get all those people together to find a solution it makes it much better yeah.
2: yeah, and we've been very lucky, right? We've had great partners um, that come together and do this work. This isn't something, you know, we, we happen to be the lead on this project uh, and on several projects, but it, there's always a group that comes together. And I think, as Ron mentioned, that's part of the strength of it. It's not just us saying this way. It should be in the watershed, but a lot of different organizations coming to, together and saying, yeah, this is a good idea. Let's get this out there. Let's make this happen. So that's really where our effectiveness comes from.
0: Definitely yeah, that's cool. Um, was there anything you were that really surprised you as you started to work through like installing these this water crossing uh, rock water crossings as and as you worked kind of
2: through the project? I guess one of them one, when we started this project, we budgeted for two crossings because we thought they were gonna be very expensive trying and span creeks. Mm-hmm. We are actually pleased we're installing our I should be able to count this up better fifth sixth one right now, so sixth instead of two. Um, and there's a couple of things that come into that, you know, it's, you can scavenge and we have a lot of partners and they can bring in different things. And, uh, most producers are pretty, you know, handy and thrifty and they're willing to, you know, work right. And make things happen. So, okay, well, we need this part, you know, anyone, they might know someone. And, you know, so we've been able to salvage materials. They do some of the work with their equipment. Uh, and that's really made this happen and and their willingness to adapt and be flexible and say, yeah, let's try this. This is something better for the watershed, you know. So there's a lot of kudos that go to the producers for their um, adaptability, I guess, is what it is.
0: Awesome, yeah. Have there been any surprising challenges, I guess, um, making individual sites work within within the, the broader watershed plan or that sort of thing as you've moved through this
2: project? I think there hasn't been too many challenges in terms of seeing the connect to the overall watershed health. That's been pretty clear. You know, mm-hmm. you go to a site and you can see, well, obviously, if there are livestock going through this water, you know, you're getting fecal out in there, you're stirring up sediment, you're losing riparian vegetation, you're destabilizing the bank. You know, go down the list. Mm-hmm. We know those effects. So if, if they're not in there, we know it's good. We also know for producers, as we mentioned, right, it's time consuming. It's potentially they're losing livestock. They're losing gains on their livestock. That's not good. Uh, It was a bit surprising to see how um, helpful this was for some croppers. So we've actually put in some structures for croppers and, you know, again, it's the same thing. If you have to take big equipment on a busy highway and go around three miles instead of going across, you know, a lot of them were trying to get through these ephemeral draws just because of safety issues, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And so with that crossing in, um, there's a lot more resiliency in that water course it's doing what it is storing water releasing water that sort of thing and these guys aren't having to go all the way around so that's been good right um yeah that's those have been some really pleasant surprise and i think the biggest challenge we have and it's still coming and it every site and every mm-hmm. producer is different is uh, you know well they're cows right you, mm-hmm. you know you how do you get them to go across and it takes a lot of coaxing right and some of them are you know everyone has a bit of a different approach, but often it's a lot of, you know, get the lead cow and drive from behind and get oats. And but cows are, well, I'm not a producer, but several <laughs> livestock seem to be fickle, right? You get them to cross <laughs> sometimes, and other times they don't. So some of the guys are still playing with that. How does this work best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but so far um, success has been pretty good. But it's just sort of, I think that'll be something we continue to see a lot of discussion about. What's the best way to actually train livestock to go across these things?
1: definitely I think, and some yeah. of the other challenge that comes the last few years with uh, excessive rain and really high water levels uh you know people have been able to use some of those crossing areas before and not had a problem but with all the washouts and the movement and uh, you know those the banks being eroded to such an extent it's just not feasible anymore so i think the conversation is something that can come easier now knowing mm-hmm. the destruction that's happened in the last couple of years. So how do we better get people or livestock and equipment and things across those creeks at, at an ease without losing anything? Right. So, yeah, I, I think that uh, the, the excessive water of the last couple of years have had some challenge to how we've had to approach some things and perhaps in some cases the materials that we could use to, to do that. So that. That makes sense.
2: And it, there there definitely have been some crossings, um, you know, where you, when that water comes up, all of a sudden you're seeing the water push against it or backing up logs and you think, oh, well, it's good to see they're all stable, right? We've had the highest flows in the last couple of years and and things are where they're supposed to be. And, you know, so um, that's encouraging. It's sort of like a stress test, right? We'll <laughs> <laughs> like a uh, deluge of rain and see if it survives. And yeah. it did. So, yeah. yeah. That is very good. <laughs>
0: adjacent to that is there anything you're doing differently compared differently now compared to when you started the project like uh installation tips or materials you use or how you plan the crossing any of that sort of stuff
2: no not really it it hasn't changed too much um and again i said it like it's very site specific yet every producer every landowner whatever they have different resources available um it is oil country so a lot of our materials are salvaged oil field materials which make a lot cheaper right and mm-hmm. if someone happens to have a welder and can weld that cuts down the cost more right so um it generally tends to be you know um oil fuel drilling pipe as pilings welded to some i-beams or directly to a, a rig mat that we've salvaged and then putting railings on that um you know how that's tied into their management with fencing or shoots, that, that always varies a bit. But otherwise, you know, we, we really focus on going above the water mark. You don't need a water act approval. Uh, we're above the bend shores and we're not going to be where there's, you know, know water washing it away. Um, and then also protecting that riparian zone that's so important. So we go there and then we use these materials to build something very stable and just build up a ramp to it. Um, so that, you know, it's, you know, it's smooth. And it's not going to be a bit of an obstacle for the livestock to cross. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, that, that's sort of been the, the procedure from the beginning. And it, it's worked out quite well. Um, yeah, so we've been, we've been happy with that.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I do want to backtrack just a little bit here um, to your board and the decision-making process and stuff. Um, how did you get started with the uh, livestock crossings project? How did that idea first start?
1: we uh as a board when we first got organized one of our first things that we did was a state of the watershed report on you know what what sort of things are happening in the watershed what water do we have what water do we have in the wrong spot right, at the wrong time you know, all those kinds of things right so we did the state of the watershed report and we found uh, a few issues of concern um, and some of them of course one of them was Having a good water quality and quantity and availability uh, away from the main stem, so away from the Peace River itself, so on the Wapiti River, uh, and then you go into smaller tributaries, so like the Red Willow, the the Beaver Lodge, the you know, in that area, that's kind of the tributaries we looked at. So when you start looking at that, we knew that that was an issue of concern, and so then we started thinking, okay. What are some of the things we can do that we can help lead projects or give information or help resource items to make water quality and quantity better away from the mainstown? Mm-hmm. And so when you start looking at the landscape, uh, lots of industry happens in the Peace Watershed, whether it's oil and gas or forestry or agriculture. You know, there's just so many things that are going on out there. Uh, so try to find partners and people who are interested in moving forward in trying to protect water sources as well as helping their own industry move mm-hmm. forward. and so the livestock crossing was something that continued to come up uh, for many people you know it's like well you know whether you are the producer who's trying to get your livestock uh, an easier way across or whether you're the neighbor who's watching that going oh, they've got their cattle in the creek again okay well everybody breathe <laughs> right so it's it's trying to help you know, address those issues that continue to come to our table. And mm-hmm. uh, so once we were able to find some really willing and active partners, uh, that became one of the goals. The other thing is, you know, finding those resources. Mm-hmm. So funding often is a resource that mm-hmm. is limiting factor for many people. And so when programs like the uh, uh, WRRP came forward uh, and we were able to tie into some of that to do some of this type of work, um, it's made sense to, to do it, do the demonstration sites, do those kinds of things where partners were willing to, to buy into. Mm-hmm. So for our board, it was a win because we knew it was an issue of concern, and then it uh, was able to get on the ground and do some good work with that.
2: And, you know, and going back to all the planning that's been done, Rhonda mentioned the integrated watershed management plan. It also happens that we've completed a watershed restoration plan, so it's a little more detailed and specific, mm-hmm. uh, and that's for the Red Willow Watershed. Uh, and this right. is actually where a lot of the livestock crossings have happened, not all of them, but it makes it a lot easier um, to find funds and partners and everything. If there's already a plan in place that identifies a specific need, yeah. uh, restoration, yeah. riparian zones, and improvement of water quality are clearly identified in several plans that you know we're aware of for that area. So that it's. It makes it a lot easier. And I I know people find planning boring or sometimes useless, (laughs) but right. If we can go in hand and say, look, you know, these people sat down, they have identified this need, this Mm -hmm. is what we need to do that. That's, you know, that's sort of the essentially the pre-project work that has to happen. And so that's really helpful to have in place. And so that's why we're glad we have a couple of those and we can sort of work off of them and look for funds, as Rhonda mentioned, where it's possible, where they're partners and then move forward on something.
0: For sure, and I think it's really neat how really practical this uh, this project is. Like, you can get your equipment across that ephemeral draw without having to go all the way around. You can move your cows from one side to another without worrying about them getting stuck or messing up the stream banks or any of that sort of thing. And it's just um, a very applicable project for a lot of people and fairly doable too. Like, you can use those you can use those rig mats and that sort of stuff uh, to make fairly decent crossings and that sort of stuff.
2: Yeah. I'm just thinking about the challenges again. I know with the one, like, <clears throat> so we use these rig mats that are generally 40 feet long. Uh, g- generally, our span is then 35 feet or less, right, because we have to mm-hmm. establish above the bank. Sometimes it's shorter than that. But um, the challenge has been sometimes in the middle It's quite bouncy, right, because you've got a, a long right. span. And uh, we did a couple of tours to show people these and there was one really good suggestion about putting in guy wires and you know, if you drove in posts on an angle at either end and then tried <laughs> to use them sort of like a suspension bridge that might stop it um we've never tried it just um cost right um, Right. so it's you know it's it's one of those things out there when we have more people playing around this maybe that's what it looks like though in however many years people say this is worth it let's you know, put in an extra couple pipes and some guidelines and takes out some of that bounce in the middle and maybe it's better for livestock. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So it'll be interesting to see what crossings look like in a few years. You know, peace country is very creative and resourceful. I'm sure there'll be new variations soon.
0: Yes. And leading into that, um, if there are people who are listening to this who are like, well, that sounds like something I should put in. I have a creek that I can never get across. (laughs) Um, Where can they go to, like, learn more about the project or get in contact with you guys about, you know, how you've put stuff in in the past and that sort of thing?
2: I guess the best place is our website, mightypeacewatershedalliance.org. If you go to projects, under projects, there's a whole page, improved livestock crossing. There's also contact information. Um, our office number is 780-324-3355. Yes, that's McLennan, but as Rhonda said, it's grand cash to Fort Vermillion, Fort One area, so <clears throat> we travel.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a lot of miles, I imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, on that note, is there anything else you guys would like to add or put a plug in for
2: Yeah I I guess the only other thing you know some of these livestock crossings too um, they've you know we really have to talk about the producers what they're doing a lot of them are taking time to fence out their riparian zone adjust management um, and you know I guess maybe we should go through the partners by name but right now I'll mention cows and fish just Mm -hmm. because I'm talking to producers about you know here's the best way to graze a riparian area you know it's not that it's Never should be done, but there are many times you shouldn't be in there. There's a limit to the capacity there, right? There's mm-hmm. as PCBFA, you would understand this very well, but um, it's it's great to have those partners there and provide them with that advice so they can maximize the their management to that area. So right. it's not just there's a crossing. There's um, a, an examination of how does this little piece of infrastructure fit into their whole farm or their whole management plan? Um, how are they going to graze, move, where are different yeah we should get some cow for some of tacos but you know <laughs> we're, we're, we're the the beast at any given time and what are they doing um and so uh part of that has often been accompanied by planting or we do live staking putting in willows on uh, some of these crossings to to i guess the ecological restoration and establish a riparian zone that helps with this flood and drought resiliency that we're really shooting for and water quality improvement so um there's sort of a it's more than just a crossing. I mean that's the focus, but it's it's gotta fit into a management plan, landscape, into the whole operation, right? So
0: it's a tool, not a solution necessarily. Exactly. Yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah. You can make a pitch for us now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh so for our listeners, if you are looking for some tools or some resources uh to help you manage your watershed a little bit better, uh the link to uh the MPWA website will be down in the description. Go check out their projects and their resources, um, uh, check out their funders, that sort of stuff.
2: Maybe we would just list the partners if that's great okay. I know um, yeah, sure. we mentioned already the funding was through Watershed Resiliency and Restoration Program, but we've had um, Agroforestry, Woodlot and Extension Society, Alberta Conservation Association, the County of Grand Prairie Agricultural Services Board, um, cows and fish uh, as well. So those are the, you know, the, that's the group that's been doing these crossings, and big shout out to all of them.
0: Right, yeah, and we can, uh, we'll drop some of those, the links to some of those uh, associations and groups in the description as well if you want to check them out. Uh, definitely do so, there's lots of resources out there uh, if you're interested in doing uh, some watershed work or learning more about grazing in riparian areas and that sort of stuff. So on that note, um, thank you everybody for listening, and we will talk to you next time. Peace Country Beef and Forage Association is a research and extension group based out of Fairview, Alberta. Our mission is to help producers thrive in an agricultural system that is profitable, regenerative, and attractive to future generations. To learn more about what we do and see the results of our research trials or our archive of newsletters and fact sheets, check out our website at peacecountrybeef.ca. Want to get in touch? Have a burning question or a topic suggestion? Send us a message on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. Thanks for listening!